0: If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmouth.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. Okay, well, we've been doing a series. Let's see how your memories are. Okay, we've been looking at the names, the titles of God. Um, the words are just either Greek or Hebrew, depending on what part of the Bible they come from. And actually, they mean something about the character of God. So what was the first one we looked at? Jehovah Jireh, my... Provider. Well done, Eric. Top of the class. Okay, what about after that? Elohim, Elohim. what does that mean? Creator. Yeah, the God, the creator. That's two. all okay. oh, gone. Yahweh is, we've, we've sort of included that. We've not done anything, but well done. Yahweh is the name I am. We've done that before. It's all right, it's not in the series, but well done, Alex. El Shaddai, what does that mean? God Almighty. Yeah. There's two more that we've done. Whoa, Get shout out now. Adonai, which means master. And the other one is. Oh, we've done that. Raphael, which is God, the Lord, my healer. Okay. So, today we're going to look at Jehovah Nissi. Okay. So, it's a word that might not mean anything to us right now, but hopefully by the end today we'll understand what that means. But uh, Jehovah Nissi means the Lord is my banner. Okay, the Lord is my banner. But um, any, a few weeks ago, I mentioned a film, okay? Now, disclaimer, some people don't like the same films as everybody else, do they, Jeff? No? Okay, so The Princess Bride I mentioned, but today I, think, I feel I'm on safer ground. I'm going to start off with Star Wars, yeah? Any Star Wars fans? No, Jeff doesn't like Star Wars. Well, I think that tells us who's right then, doesn't it? Okay, Star Wars. What do we know about Star Wars? Well, I just thought, you know, to illustrate things, we often use things to show which side we're taking, and in Star Wars, they have these lightsabers, yeah? And you may or may not know that the colour of your lightsaber tells you a lot about who you are. So when these Jedi warriors hold their lightsaber up, there's an iconic poster of the first one where Luke is stood. I think I'm right, Peter. I'm just going to check with my expert over there. Um, he's stood with his lightsaber in the air. And I think it's white in that circumstance, isn't it? Is it blue? blue, green, who knows? But anyway, I don't really care. But at the same time, the colors tell you something. So if you've got a red lightsaber, or if you see someone with a red lightsaber in Star Wars, they're bad news, okay? You do not go to the red lightsaber people, okay? Because they are bad news, okay? Unlike football, red shirts is okay, as long as it's not in Manchester. Anyway... Right, so lightsabers tell you an awful lot. When you raise them, it tells you things. And I did start to do a bit of research, but actually I found a whole world of sadness on the internet because they've got something not called Wikipedia. They've got Wookiepedia, would you believe, which basically is filled in with all the Star Wars facts. And I thought that the Star Wars lightsabers were just blue-green, white maybe, and red. But oh no, oh, there's hundreds of different reasons and colours and shapes and designs to tell you everything you need to know about the person with that lightsaber. And it tells you how the light is formed and what the crystals are my days. If you're interested, Wikipedia. otherwise I'm going to stop. So I decided lightsabers maybe not the easiest thing to understand. How about back in June, July, when we all thought it was coming home? Okay, when we all thought it was coming home, and uh, you saw the, the England flag everywhere. It was a call to, yes, we, we, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come, and then it didn't. So um, that was another example of a flag or a banner. And also, I was going to bring my Liverpool scarf, but I figured that it just some people switch off, and I don't want them to do that. So I've brought Barrow, okay, because we're all in Barrow, so we can, we can cheer for Barrow. But a scarf held aloft sends a signal to who you're supporting. You know, if you go to a football ground and you might hold your scarf aloft, these days it's more like this, and they're going, okay, so it's quite good if it's hot because you get a bit of a, bit of a fan effect in the, in the stadium. So they hold their scarf aloft, and you can choose to stand under that scarf if you support that club, yeah? Yeah? And you've got one side of the ground that might have a different colour scarf, another side of the ground that has another, and you hold it aloft because that is saying, this is who I am. Yeah? I love that song that the England fans sing that says, I'm England till I die. I'm like, well, you're not really going to change your elite. Well, you might do, I suppose. But in reality, you know, if you're English, you're English. You know, it's not like I'm, I'm Barrow till I die because you might decide you've gone off them and changed clubs. But uh, I don't know. But I suppose Paul's got dual nationality, haven't you? He's Nigerian and English till he dies at the moment. Who knows? It could, it could develop even further, couldn't it? But Scarves, a football match, lifted high... Show you they're a call to gather, aren't they? They're called to say, Come on, stand with me. Stand with me under this scarf. Stand with me under this banner. So today we read a passage in Exodus chapter 17, just after last week's passage. So if you remember last week was all about the bitter water being changed to sweet and the grumbling of the Israelites against Moses and God. You know, anyone here have a grumble ever? No? Yeah? Well, maybe today is for you. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for that. Being honest, absolutely. I think everybody needs to put our hands up. uh, Exodus chapter 17, starting at verse 1, says this. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Sounds familiar? Déjà vu. There was no water for the people to drink. So what did they do? Did they think, oh, I know, last time we spoke to God and we we trusted God. No, they quarreled with Moses. And they said, give us water to drink. (coughs) Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and our livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. Look at the situation for a minute. The chapter that we looked at last week comes just before this. They've seen water provided. They've then seen more than enough provided. And what are they doing again? Grumbling, moaning. That's not right. This isn't right. So, the Lord answered Moses, verse 5. Go out in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock, and the water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the place Massah and Maribah, because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord, saying, is the Lord among us or not? I'm going to stop there at this moment. So as I say, we see another water issue, the same problem. And when you're faced with the same problem, surely you need to look back and say, well, how did, it, how, good, how did it get dealt with before? How was it resolved previously? Well, they trusted God. And they trusted God, and God gave more than. And yet here we see them ready to stone Moses. <laughs> what is it about thirsty people? That they're ready to kill somebody if they don't get water. You know, They're ready to do something drastic, grumbling and moaning because of dehydration. I think the simple message here is we all forget and we need to be reminded we need to keep looking to back at what God has done to look forward to what he's going to do we need to keep looking at what he's done to see what he's going to do we currently see don't we in the shops items missing from our shelves yeah have you been to the shops recently and found that you can't find well Tesco is having a total reorganization so that threw me for once and actually, there's a man with a sign going, I'm here to help. I think he was inundated with people going, where's the milk? Where's the, where's, the, where's the drinks? Where's the beans? Because they're having a restock. But there are things missing. There are shortages, not massive, or we've had fuel shortages. Or maybe, do you hate it when you start committing to a TV box set? Okay, TV series, and then they cancel it. Yeah? Yeah? It's really annoying, isn't it? Really annoying, but I don't think I'd go out and kill somebody because of it. Or somebody's had the last biscuit in the cupboard. that right, Joel? Yeah, 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 Joel probably would, yeah. I had the audacity to take Joel's Oreos this week and have a few Oreos, and uh, they'd been bought for milkshakes, apparently. I, bought, I thought i will have that go nice with a cup of coffee. But anyway, never mind. But we grumble about things. When they're not there, we go oh. Or when it's not how we want them, we go oh. And actually, Alan shared last week about Blessed Hill. When we went to Blessed Hill, they were traveling a reasonable walk, weren't they, to get water. They went to a thing called the well. They called it the well. And so at the end of each day and the beginning of each day, all these children from the age of definitely younger than Nala, and, and um, my name, my, my brain, and, and it's Nala, isn't it? It is Nala, yeah. Definitely younger than Nala were carrying big jerry cans, not of petrol, don't get excited, and they were carrying them to the well, filling them up with water and carrying them all the way back twice a day. Well, when we went down with them, we were dead excited. We were like, oh, great, they've got a well. At least they've got water. And actually, when you got to the well, <laughs> it's not what you would call a well. <laughs> it was like a dirty, algae-covered sort of puddle, almost. And actually, they would fill it up with water. And that was their daily trip to get water. Yet we complain when we haven't got that last biscuit. <laughs> you know, now, since, since they've had some support and help, they actually have their own premises. They now have a borehole on their site, which means not only do they have continuous water, but also the people in the community are blessed because they've got continuous water. Why? Because they continually trusted God. They didn't moan about the water they had. We connected the water at the old premises and it kept getting shut off by the government. But you should see their faces when they were given fresh water. What a joy. And yet we take it as a right. Do you know, we need to look at where we're grumbling. And actually, we need to focus on the one who we can trust. The people and the children at Blessed Hill don't forget where they've come from. They don't forget how God has provided in the past. And they know that God will continue to provide in the future. They know those things. It's important to notice a few things in this beginning of the passage. Firstly, the moaning. We've mentioned that. The forgetfulness. The lack of gratitude. You know, I want, to, I want to say, you know, Lee here today was on the roof this week, cutting off a bit of a tree that was growing out of the wall. People had seen it, but Lee was the only one small enough and light enough to climb on the roof to do it. And actually, he's going back to finish the job. But I'm grateful for that. And I know that in the future I can call on leave if there's any trees growing out of bricks, can't I? Yeah? Fran, we did the car park this week. And wants to spray it. Done an amazing job. We need to show gratitude. We need to show thankfulness. Yet the Israelites here moaned and forgot. Secondly, the same problem they've seen God deal with before, they forget that God can deal with it again. They forget that God is still there. And thirdly in this passage... Moses holds up his staff. Deja vu. Deja vu. Memories. I uh, used to read the book, the series of unfortunate events to Joel when he was younger. And I loved reading them because they actually had a lot of humor in them that was really good for me as a grown-up. It wasn't just your typical famous five. It was full of jokes. And I can remember one chapter. Every chapter, I think, started with the definition of a word. And one chapter started with the definition of deja vu, which means having experienced or seen something before. And when you turn the page, the next page is exactly the same as the one you just read. I love that sort of thing. That just made me chuckle. That that was brilliant. I know it's your favorite bit is and you're thinking of it now, but we're not going to go there. Okay. It's not rude. It's okay. I just haven't got time. Deja vu. Moses with his staff. When do we remember that from? Well, it says in the passage from Egypt, he held the staff up and saw God's power. He held the staff up and saw the magicians of the Pharaoh defeated. He held the staff up and saw the the judgment of God, but he also saw the protection of God on his people. He held the staff up and saw the Red Sea part. He held the staff up. And threw a bit of wood into a water and he saw the water go sweet. Can you see the, the theme that's being developed here is that God was in it. Not just in a piece of wood, that was symbolic, but it wasn't Moses that was doing it. It was God at work and he was lifted high in order to do it, yeah? So that's what we need to remember. It was God's power, God's move, his strength, not theirs. They've had the Red Sea parted, a water issue. They've had bitter water, sweetened, a water issue. They've been shown an oasis of plenty, a water issue. And now they haven't got any, a water issue. God has already done it, but there's a reminder. The staff lifted, God's power, provision, and presence is with them. Yeah? Today I want to remind you, God's power, presence, and provision can be with us in the same way that it has been in the past and in the same way that it will be in the future. And God's power, presence and provision doesn't depend on us trying hard, or It depends on us just being submissive. It depends on us saying your way as you wish. It depends on us coming under the master, the Adonai. It depends on us doing all those things. Not the staff itself, but the visible reminder of God who's overcome difficulties, as God who's dealt with creation, as God who has been the Almighty through it all. But people have stopped trusting. Simple. That's what they've done. They've stopped trusting in the God that can do it. Is that us today? Have we come to this moment today and we're just here, maybe we've been dragged along, maybe we've not been for a while, or maybe we've just thought, you know, I quite enjoyed sitting at home in my pajamas, eating, whatever, instead of going to church. We need to be together to celebrate and to lift him high, to lift his name and to exalt him so that we can keep being reminded of his power and his work and we can show others around us the Israelites at this point even say, is God among us or not? Maybe you've reached those moments in your own life where you've said, well, is God still, is God still with me? Is God still, is, can I still trust God? God is the same yesterday, today, forever. So the answer to that question is yes. And he's bigger than any problem we can face. Lift up the staff again. That bit of wood that has been lifted before, lift up the staff again. Last week, the wood that was used was reminiscent of the cross. Today, the staff that is lifted up is reminiscent of the cross. We'll come to that. There will be little grumbles in life. Don't focus on them. There will be issues that make us feel thirsty, tired, drained, weary. Don't focus on them. Don't make the grumbles turn to quarreling. Don't make the grumbles turn to bitterness. Don't make the grumbles be what it's all about. Do you know, it wasn't Moses' fault that they were grumbling, but he was getting it all, wasn't he? So what does he do? He turns to God and says, God, what do I do about these people? How do I deal with them? It was that the people had stopped remembering and they had stopped thanking. What are you grateful for today? What are you being thankful for today? The people had stopped remembering and being thankful. We need to remember and be thankful. Do you know the people just wanted to find someone to pick on rather than a person to praise. The people wanted to find an issue to pick on rather than something to lift up. This morning, stop the grumbling and start the encouraging. Next, we see bigger battles on the horizon. As we read this passage, so far we've had water issues, little issues, little grumbles, little things. And maybe that's what happens with us. Lots of little things build up and become big things. Or maybe they lead to a bigger thing. The Amalekites come on the horizon as we read the rest of this passage, which we will in a moment. They're the first people to attack God's people after leaving Egypt. And guess what? They keep coming back again and again and again and again throughout the whole of the Old Testament. You know, Haman who tried to bring down um, Esther and, and, and the Israelites, at that pe- god, God's people at that time. Haman was an Amalekite. The Amalekites constantly tried to bring down God's people. They were basically seen as against God. They worshipped Baal. What did that involve? It involved mutilation of themselves. It involved sacrificing their children. It involved uh, sensual, sexual practices linked to worshipping the god. And they were everything that God said, look, don't do it. It's going to damage. Don't go down that path. Don't go down that route. So the Amalekites kept coming back. Does that remind us of something? We have problems that will keep coming back to us. And sometimes we need to deal with them. God said to the Israelites, you need to deal with the Amalekites completely. Because if you don't, they're going to keep coming back. And what did the Israelites not do? They didn't deal with the Amalekites. And they kept coming back I don't know about you, but I've often found in my life the same things are the things that will keep coming back to me to try and pull me down. You know what yours is. I know what mine has been and still sometimes is. And actually, that's our Amalekite. And God says, deal with it. Deal with it completely. Stop focusing on the Amalekites. Stop grumbling about the little issues. Be aware there's a bigger enemy coming to try and just tear you down and deal with it. Verse 8 says this. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua sorry, fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur, that's his name. It's not like a reference to a woman. Moses, Aaron, and Hur, they're going up the mountain. No, it's not that. Okay? We'd only think that because we're northern. Okay? The southerners amongst us don't. Uh, Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. And the Americans, you probably wouldn't understand that. Moses, Aaron, and Hur. As long as Moses held up his hands, as long as the staff was up and raised, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up. (laughs) One on one side, one on the other so that his hands remain steady till sunset. It's a long day of holding your hands up. You ever tried it? Long day. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword, and then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll. Why? As something to be remembered. Stop forgetting. Stop forgetting what we've overcome. Stop forgetting the journey you've been on. Stop forgetting the things that I've, I've shown my power in. Write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and called it the Lord is my banner. Jehovah Nissi. Moses built an altar and called it the Lord is my banner. There's a sneak attack, the Amalekites come up the back. And sometimes the things that attack us come without warning. Sometimes things creep up on us without knowing. But the same enemy will come again and again. And here we see a familiar story. Put your hand up if you've heard this story before about Moses, you know? I could have got people up this morning, and we could have, we could have got the scarf in the air instead of a staff, and I could have got you to stand throughout the whole service like this to see if you could manage it. I did think about it, Stephen, but no. Um, I could have got you to do that, and then if you start getting tired, I could have got someone to stand either side, and we could have used it as a message of, it's an encouragement when people, you know, the leader himself was stood on the hill, he needed someone either side to support him, someone to sit him down. We could have done that, couldn't we? And I'm sure that's the message we've heard before, and that's a true message. However, we need to understand what the banner was. We need to understand why it was important that Moses, instead of fighting and leading his people into the battle, was stood on a hill somewhere with a rod in the sky. We need to know what that's about. Yes, it's encouraging that people helped him, but why did he do it in the first place? Why did God ask him to do such a strange thing? This is why. Because the staff of God now, it's not the staff of Moses anymore. It says it's the staff of God. That means it was the visible presence and power of God at work. It was lifted to part of the Red Sea. It was lifted to see the plagues come. It was lifted to see water come out of the rock. Yeah? Are you with me? So, recognize God's strength and power with them. So, can you imagine that army fighting in the valley? Yeah? Every time they looked up, if they saw that rod in the air... They would go, wow, God's God's with us. It may well be we don't know this, but it may well be that when His arms dropped, they might maybe they couldn't ascend the rod. Maybe the Maybe the valley and the mountain meant that when His arms weren't in the air, they weren't able to see it, and it discouraged them. We've been worshiping this morning, and you lot don't know this, but when we're worshiping, you know, sometimes it's really encouraging. Paul and Abella this morning has had his arms up in the air, and it makes you go, yeah, you know, he's he's really seeking God. What does it mean to do that? It means to say, God, I need you. It means to say, God, I'm lifting you above me. And actually, it's encouraging. So it's a bit like the picture of Moses on the hill this morning, because we're down here fighting a battle in worship, and Paul's on there going like this. You know, it's great. But why did he lift that rod? Well, it was recognized as God's strength and power with them. So as soon as that drops, they must think, oh, where's God? We're in a battle here, and where's God? So when it was dropped, they were losing. When it was up, they were winning. And when it was only halfway up, no, that's a, different, that's a different story. But when it was raised, they knew that staff. What was that staff a symbol of? Overcoming, yeah? Provision, strength, power, might. So whenever they looked up in the middle of the battle and they saw that reminder, they would go, yes, God, we know you've got this. Isn't it linked to the armor of, you know, the armor of God? Lift the shield of faith. Because when you drop the shield of faith, the arrows can hit you. Lift it up. Moses lifted that rod up to show them that he was the overcomer, that he was the rescuer, that he was their salvation, and that he was their provision. That's why he did it. That's what the banner was for. That's what the staff was for. But if it sank down, they'd become discouraged. Maybe that question's still ringing. Is God really with us? Is God still here? Why is he not moving? Do you know, after the victory, they finished with the recognition that Jehovah Nissi. Well, what is a banner? What do you know to be a banner? A sign. Maybe a sign, yeah? Maybe a sign. A flag. Or the pole, even, that the flag was on was also a banner. So this rod was a banner. The rod was a banner. It's also a declaration. Now, in the, in the 70s, I think I was very little, but in the 70s and in the 80s, people used to have cars, and if they had a girlfriend or a boyfriend, they would put that guy in Jill. Did you have that? No, oh, it's just you, you were very quick to know that what I was talking about there. Did you always want one guy? Yeah, yeah, I thought so. Car stickers on your windows, you know, Guy and Jill. You know, why? Why would they do that? It's their banner over their car. Why did they do it? Because it was declaring whose you were. Yeah, it was a declaration. The car stickers that said Guy and Jill. It was a declaration that Guy and Jill were with each other. They were together. It was a banner on their car. It didn't happen. I'm just hypothetically saying. You say it didn't happen. Anyone here have that? Jeff and Naomi? No, no. Naomi's now bright red. Um, anyone want that? You know, like Eric and Jackie. We could, we could get some printed. Yeah, 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 yeah. We could, but we could have Eric and Jackie on the front, and then all the kids down the side, couldn't we? On the, on the car. You could do that, couldn't you? Why did they do it? It was declaring who you were and who you were with. It was making sure it was seen. I am saying that in this car it's me and Jill or Guy and Jill, (laughs) not me and Jill. I'll do Johnny and Ross, that's easier. I didn't have them because I wasn't driving in those days. Guy and Jill, today you might declare it with a t-shirt, you know? You might declare it with a T-shirt. I think I got a T-shirt once for Father's Day that said, this is what an awesome dad looks like, off my daughter. You know, And I think she was basically saying, I'm an awesome daughter because I bought you that T-shirt. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe some people do it with a tattoo. Who knows? But actually our banner, there's some little nods to people there. Who knows? But the banner was a call to be a part of something. Yeah? It was a call to be a part of something. Second thing is, the banner was something to be declared. It's interesting in this passage, and I'm nearly finished. It's interesting in this passage that it's the first one where God himself hasn't said, this is what my name is. I'm revealing you, to you part of my character. It's actually Moses that calls it Jehovah Nissi. It's Moses that declares it, the Lord is my banner. It's the person that says, actually, I'm with God I'm on his side. Yeah? That's significant. Because you can only say the Lord is your banner if you choose that banner. Football matches, you choose which side to support. You choose the the, the scarf you're under. Well, with God, you've got to choose him. You've got to choose him as your banner. You've got to choose him as your your signal. You've got to choose to put his sticker over your your passenger, well, actually over your driver's seat. You've got to choose to put him in the driver's seat and say, yeah, it's me and God in this car. The Lord is my banner. It's not something Moses is told or been revealed. He declares it. You see, God will never force himself on you. You can't just... Have him as your banner because somebody else has said he's your banner. You know, I did my very best to ensure that my son didn't support a team I didn't like. I did say to him he could support any team apart from Manchester United or he'd have to leave the house. <laughs> I think that was when you were about eight, but hey. And actually, I'm really proud because he loves, he loves the same team. I couldn't force that on him, really. I think I probably did, but I couldn't. He would have to choose for himself. And he's actually more, more of an ardent fan than I am. But it's something that's declared. It has got to be your choice to gather under that banner. Yeah? It's got to be your choice. Second thing about a banner is this. The banner was meant to unite. It was a, it was a call to unity. Unity. At Soul Survivor, we would camp with 10,000 other young people, and often you would struggle to find your way back to your tent. And I used to be quite jealous, I know you shouldn't be jealous, but I used to be quite jealous of the youth groups that were really organized, because I used to li- like the fact that it would have this massive pole that had a flag on the top, and people could see it and go, oh, there's our tent. I'd be wandering around going, Some- it's here somewhere. <laughs> it was here when I left it. And I, that, that flag that was lifted high would often say something like, you know, such and such youth group. And it was a call to unite under that banner. Joe, God is calling us this morning to unite under the banner of Jesus. Everyone together, not the grumbling, not the picking faults, not the focus on the problem, but united against a common foe. It's embarrassing in sport when people on the same team have a bit of a fight or an argument, isn't it? Makes you cringe when you see two footballers are on the same team starting pushing and shoving and arguing over who's going to take the penalty or or whose fault it was. Do you know sometimes that's what church looks like to people? We're under the same banner, we're under the same flag. We're called to be united. We're called to be united. So if we're under the banner of God, what does the Bible say? We're all one in Christ Jesus. All one. No grumbling. May you not like your brother or sister, but we're all one in the same family. And once we raise that banner over us, or once we put that car sticker and say, God's in the driving seat, I'm in the passenger seat, we need to stop the bickering. And we need to stop the grumbling and the sniping, because all it does is turns people off. Because unfortunately, people raise the banner of Jesus and his cross, maybe with a car sticker, maybe with a necklace, maybe with a positive Facebook post. But then in other moments, they don't represent that banner. And what is his banner? I am my beloved's and he is mine and his banner over me. I can't even remember it—is love. Yeah? I am my beloved's and he is mine and his banner over me is love. There we go. Third thing. Raising that banner gives the enemy second thoughts. He knows he's up against somebody who's bigger than him. God is greater. God is bigger. You see people united under the same banner. It's powerful, isn't it? Yeah? You see a protest of lots of people. It's powerful. It's powerful. It can stop the cities. It can make people stand. It can make them silent. The thing is, it's often our disunity that lets him down. It's often our lack of togetherness. What did Jesus say? By this, all men will know that you are mine. How? How? That you love one another. That's how people know what banner we're under. How? That we love one another. doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean you have to like. It means you have to love. It's deeper than that. A later story says this, and we, with this we are coming to land, honest. Numbers 21, verses 4 to 9. They travelled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. (laughs) Deja vu. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There's no bread and there's no water. We detest this miserable food. They were provided with the most amazing thing every day, and yet they're still moaning. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, we sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who's bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. Weird, yeah? Really weird. Weird. But what it was a symbol of was being lifted up, the pole being lifted up. Again, the same situation. And actually, they start to get sick. The pole was lifted up, and they had to look on it and choose to look on it. Can you imagine people who were getting ill and being told, all you need to do is go and look at that? I'm going, no, nah, mate, you're all right. Stupid. And yet we choose to do it. Even as Christians, even as we know, we stop looking at the cross. And this pole was lifted up in the wilderness for people to be made right. And again, it was just to represent Jesus. In the, you know, it was a foreshadowing, if you like. This pole was lifted up for all to see, and if they fixed their eyes on it, they were healed and free. What does it say in John chapter 3? It says this. John chapter 3, 14 to 15. I'm making Paul work because I didn't give him these. Look at that. No, just John chapter 3, verses 14 to 15 says this. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness... So the Son of Man, that's Jesus, must be lifted up. Why? That everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. What was lifted up in the Israelites? The rod. The rod was powerful, it was creative, it was overcoming, it was almighty. And the rod was the one that enabled them to win the battle when it was raised. Have you stopped raising him? But also, what is our Nisi this morning? What is our banner? because the Bible says it's got to be Jesus he died was lifted up on a cross so that if we look to him and focus on him we will live the flag we are under that first called us what is it is it Jesus the flag we are under that unites us is Jesus the flag that we're under that terrifies the enemy is Jesus and what is it it's love why because God is love That is my banner, he is my banner. Can you say that this morning? He's my banner, he's over my life, he's on my driver's seat, he's on the sticker above my driver's seat and I am choosing to lift him high, I'm stopping the grumbling, I'm stopping the moaning, I'm gonna lift him high and I'm gonna love and I'm gonna love because that's how other people will know I'm his. That's what he is my banner means. He will not force it on us. It's for us to declare. Because if we lift him higher, the enemy will be overcome. The enemy will be overcome. Others will see and be encouraged to overcome. And we will be united in love for one another. Let me finish with this. How do you know when the queen's home? There's a flag. There's a banner. When the queen's home, the 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 banner is flown high above Buckingham Palace. And I finish with a children's song. Joy is the flag flown high. Where from? The castle of my heart. Why? For the king is in residence there. Joy is the flag flown high from the castle of my heart, from the castle of my heart, from the castle of my heart. Why? Because the king is in residence there. What is your banner this morning? Who is your king? Is he in residence? Because if he is, fly the flag of joy, love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That is the banner, because God is love. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for the fact that your truth we need reminded of. And I pray this morning that we will stop the grumbling or the bickering. I pray, Lord, this morning, whatever issues we are focusing on right now, I pray that you will take them from our hearts. And I pray, Lord, that we will welcome the King and that we will fly his flag over our lives, that we will fly his emblem above our hearts. And his flag is joy. His flag is love. His flag is peace. Father God, that isn't Dependent on our circumstances, it's dependent on lifting you high so that we can keep seeing you and so that others around can keep seeing you. Father God, I pray this morning that we will choose to lift our arms. Maybe like Moses, we need someone stood either side of us to help us lift them up. But this morning, we want to declare you as our Lord, as our banner, as the thing that makes our decisions, as the person who is in us, with us, who speaks truth to us. And Father God, whatever we're waiting for, I pray, Lord, that you'll give us the patience to keep waiting. Father, that you'll give us the strength to keep standing, and that you'll give us the love to keep loving. In Jesus' name, amen.